You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with Aldous Hodge from One Night in Miami. You brothers, you could move mountains without lifting a finger. Minister Malcolm X. Good news, the chariot is coming. Who's the greatest? That's right. Jim Brown takes the ball. Your record is going to stand the test of time. All together, The entire city of Miami is celebrating. I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world, and I don't even have a scratch on my face. Oh, my goodness. Cash. Cash? Why am I so pretty? Hey, congratulations, champ. I could get used to that. Uh, I was made in America, land of the free, home of the brave. This movement that we are in is called a struggle because we are fighting for our lives. This ain't about civil rights. They ain't giving black people what they really want. What's that? Hey, I was made in America. That's why I'm out here saving oh. America. Power. Black power. I like the sound of that. Uh, I wish I lived in America. We have to be there for each other. Uh, heard everybody rich. All I gotta do is run, jump, kick. I'm a kid in your area. Uh, I done made it to America. Uh, I'm amazed uh, at America. Welcome to America. Hey, I'll just thank you so much for joining me today on the Next Best Picture podcast. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, in One Night in Miami, you play NFL legend and actor Jim Brown. How familiar yeah. were you with Brown and his career, particularly in the era of the 60s prior to signing on to the project? I was, I was lightly familiar. I mean, I knew the movies that he knew, uh, the movies he did. I knew a little bit about his uh, sports history, not all of the prolific notes about his sports history in terms of how he was an all-around athlete. I mean, he dominated in just about every field. Um, but, you know, the, the, the basic, you know, the football prestige and the records he has that are still unbroken, those kinds of things, right? But for the film, to me, the thing that, uh, the, the film work didn't apply because it came after the moment that we are seeing him in, in the film. In 64, he's making his transition into film. So mm-hmm. I didn't really pay attention to the film work. I paid attention to where his mindset was on the culture and where his mindset was on business and economics in this particular time in the 60s as he was making this transition and, and the, the motivation for making that transition. That's the gym that we don't really know and the gym that is, I think, rarely highlighted when talking about him and all of his, his uh, accomplishments. I think those are some of his greatest accomplishments and contributions because he pushed and used his positioning and his success to help educate his community on economics and the importance of it. So for me, that was the most important thing to really study about and uh, Mr. Brown and, and really try to focus on in terms of what I wanted to highlight in this film with him. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's something that I didn't know about him either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started the Black Economic Union and I think it was 1968. Wow, that's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. what attracted you to to this project uh, uh, initially? What what brought you on board? Oh, it was the conversation. It was two things primarily. Uh, Kemp's wonderful script and the chance to work with Regina in this capacity. You know, to be able to to be a part of her sort of flagship directorial j- journey into cinema. She she's an accomplished director in in, in television. So um, when it comes to this, it's really. Uh, 
you know, her first foray into film and what a beautiful sort of uh, package, (laughs) you know, it is when you have this subject matter, this particular time frame, the potential for impact that's there. And then you you have Regina at the precipice of her career in so many different ways. Um, And she, she really is a tour de force for a reason. She's always made really smart choices and she brings all the education and experience with her. So, you know, from the standpoint of looking at her as uh, a, a really accomplished actor and the choices that she has made, I know that she understands tone. I know that she understands the notes of vulnerability to swim through when it comes to the emotional arcs because she has displayed that herself so magnificently in her own work. Um, as a director, now you marry that with the visuals. And she was very specific about the rhythms of, of the moments and the beats and the tones when it came to, to feeling like we were in the 60s and just managing the levels for where these men were emotionally. And then, you know, the, the suits and the colors and the music and everything. She was so very specific. So really... Um, it just was a great opportunity to to be a part of something that I felt moved me personally, and I felt had the potential to move others. Um, and then you know, Kemp just—he's he really is brilliant. You know, this yeah. I look at him in his year with Soul and and this in the same year, and I'm just like, God dang, he is on fire. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. And and Kemp's language is amazing. I mean, this whole the whole movie mm-hmm. is language. Um, Tell me about the preparation process. You know, how did you get ready for uh, all of this dialogue and and for this role? So, uh, fortunately, (laughs) I guess I guess in my case, uh, Jim was managing presence and and maintaining, you know, uh, viability whilst observing because he comes in for poignant moments of saying what needs to be said in a moment where he can really explain to his brothers what's going on to sort of help them translate what they feel. But still, nevertheless, there was a, you know, quite a bit of dialogue to have to pay attention to because you have to still remain present. You've got to know what's going on. You have to be aware, you have to be, um, you have to be, you have to speak with your silence to a degree, you know? Um, So running this rhetoric day by day it was a practice and discipline and mm-hmm. <laughs> making sure that you knew exactly where the moments were because we didn't shoot in sequence but we had really high mo- emotional moments that were really quite important when it came to consistency of making sure that the the real story that we were trying to tell and the real message we were trying to give out was actually delivered mm-hmm. so we just worked at it day by day and you know watching people like uh like you know kingsley who was Kingsley's probably the most prepared actor I've ever worked with in my, my entire life. Um, and, I, and I say that with a great deal of respect. Um, he was impressive because he had so much dialogue, but he basically knew it front to back and he came in not missing a beat any time. So uh, it was really great to watch that. And then as we all dealt with one another, you know, we just tried to maintain the importance of the moments that we were in. But if ever we were sort of trying to find it i mean regina really kept us on track she knew this thing like <laughs> the, the back of her hand mm-hmm. and she she was a great leader in guiding us to to the beats 
in, 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 in sort of the way that we needed to get there because she saw, she was the conductor, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, Kemp was the composer. He wrote this beautiful orchestral piece. And, uh, you know, it just was, it was, it was a great sort of practice in really knowing the moments. Even if you're not saying nothing, you got to know everything that's going on. Yeah, I, so I spoke to Kingsley the other week, and he he talked about uh, calling up Kemp Powers occasionally to ask him some questions about the language. Did you did you ever do that? Uh, no, I never question, uh, asked him about the language, but I did ask him about some moments about uh, you know Jim Brown and and what certain moments meant where he was inspired um, mm. in terms of trying to hustle up the research. You know, that's what yeah. me and Kemp talked about mostly. Um, it was really great because I know Kemp did some research into to Jim's autobiographies and the opening scene where we see Jim Brown go to meet Mr. Carlton and, you know, that uh, really stagnating environment where he's not invited into the house. Yeah. That was a real moment that happened for Jim Brown. And, uh, you know, he went to go visit this man who was who who his aunt worked for. She was a housekeeper for and, um, you know, he went to, I believe it was St. Simon's Island. He went there, he met this man and, you know, they had this uh, conversation where he walked up to the porch and he realized that's as far as he got. He didn't get past that. <laughs> and, um, this man is like, oh, you know, I'm so proud of you and proud to say, you know, I'm from where great Jim Brown is from. And, you know, gave him all this mess. And then afterwards, Jim left and said, man, <laughs> that's a bunch <laughs> of crap. This man yeah, basically yeah. summoned him like a dog just to to I, I don't know what the 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 goal was there but jim was no fool and jim understood that this man was trying to basically flex his positioning but still not respect him enough as a human being to let him get further than the porch so um you know it was a real account and uh you know kemp made uh, made magic out of it and i'm so happy that that scene is there because it sort of sets a tone for a, a lot of the, the 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 questioning that's going on today with a lot of people who don't experience that um and don't know that's real or people who just woke up to racism in 2020 <laughs> like yeah. you know it's it sets a tone for educating them on the fact that this is not new. This has always been there. We know it's always been there. And the, the problem is the fact that people don't want to really address it. The people who need to address it don't address it. So in the case of Mr. Carlton, another blind person who doesn't address the fact that he's in the wrong and he needs to, to grow and evolve. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me more about that. I mean, you you talked about as you as you were attracted to this project, the the potential impact that this movie could have. What what did what did you see as the potential impact of this film and this story? Uh, there's a there's a duality to it um, within the black community, and uh, yeah, I'll say within the black community, um, we have these conversations regularly. This is nothing new for us. Um, oftentimes we are all trying to get to the same goal, uh, sometimes different ways. And those disparities in, in how we want to get there cause a bit of conflict. I think that this film brilliantly shows how we can have that conflict, but in a positive way where we can fight mm. towards the same goal together as opposed to working apart. Um, it teaches us how to have the argument, and which then turns into a discussion which then turns into progress, right? Um, with maturity. As far as, you know, those on the, uh, on, on the outside of the black community who are, you know, walking in allyship, right? Or those who choose to ignore what we're saying and why we're saying it. Uh, still to this day, you know, there's people who will probably never learn because they choose not to. But for those who have open minds, I would hope that they they are able to to build a greater capacity for empathy and understanding as it relates to what black people experience in this day um, and what black people uh, go through constantly. And I hope it makes them look at themselves, look within, because oftentimes people ask, well, you know, what can I do and, and how can I help the black community? The thing you can do to help the black community is deal with yourself, deal with your community. What are the problems that you see within your community that you want to address? Don't worry about us. The thing that where it starts is with you and your people and what you think you're doing to contribute. Because if you don't see a problem within your own crew, then there's no progress that will ever truly be made. So I hope that people really understand that real change does need to happen, but real change start with yourself and it starts within your community. That's good. That's good. Well, I, I definitely feel that this movie gets across that point and I, I hope people are hearing it. Well, one last question before I leave. What I, what I love about your, your, your career is the wide variety of projects that you're in. Uh, ah. You know, you did one, one night in Miami, you were in horror with, invisible man <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clemency, clemency yeah before and and black adam coming up so what what attracts you to a project i'm just curious uh what do you look for as you're taking your next steps in your career what, what roles are you looking to play um I, I don't have any roles definitively that are on my slate but i mm-hmm. the the thing that the synergy the stream of synergy that i look for in my roles is there a means for effective art and and by effective mm-hmm. i mean that 
do we have a potential to cause cultural impact, cultural change? Not every film is going to do it in the same way. You know what I mean? There are some films you do that just are commercial hits that are purely for entertainment. And for the sake of sure. entertainment, we need that. You know, every now and then we just need a break to breathe and just be like, whew, let me take the weight off, right? But you take a film like One Night Miami where it really honestly is a beautifully poised, poignant film. It's intelligent. It's fun. It's funny. It has it hits all these yeah. notes, but there's a real message to it. You take a movie like Clemency, which is a bit heavier emotionally, but there's a real point and a purpose to it. You take a movie like uh, Hidden Figures, <laughs> again, mm, yeah, yeah. A, a wonderfully executed film that has a mass potential to inspire because we did the press tour for that and we did the press tour by going to different events and venues and schools with little girls we're like you know five six nine 13 years old now saying that oh yeah i've always been interested in, in stem and and steam yeah. and and wanted to be an astronaut and do this and be a physicist now and now i can actually see it so i'm going to go for it that yeah. is what we do with our craft and our art and that is the greatest potential that we have the greatest gift that we have with our art is to be able to inspire and influence positive progressive change so with whatever i do you know you think about a, a a film like black adam where most people see a superhero film they see just you know lights and action and big you know explosions and it's fun it is fun but here's where the change happens i never grew i loved comics growing up I love graphic novels. I got into this business because my mama bought me a Batman toy. And I was like, I want to keep getting Batman toys, doing jobs. I loved it. Doesn't matter what, but I never saw myself in any of these characters. I always imagined, but I never believed I could be any of these characters. I was like, oh, it could be cool, but <clears throat> man, where am I in it, right? And this is a little kid, eight, nine years old thinking this, right? The The wonderful beautiful privilege that I'm I'm gifted with and I'm I'm honored with with this particular role right I'm gonna enjoy the heck out of it because this is awesome it's a dream <laughs> it is literally a dream come true but what made it make sense for me was my little five-year-old nephew who loves Legos and he found a Hawkman Lego figure right so he hmm. gets a Hawkman and then he's at the, playing in the Lego bin or whatever, and he digs and he keeps digging. He's searching for something. And he pulls out two black arms that he puts on Hawkman. Mm -hmm. He puts the black arms on the Hawkman Lego figure because he sees himself in it. And I said, wow, that for younger kids coming up and being able to see themselves in a different way, in a different sort of creative, imaginative space, that's, that's priceless. Mm. So therein lies the grand impact, the greater scheme, the greater value and being able to, to take on the, the responsibility and the charge of stepping into this kind of role is because the impact is so far beyond just doing a cool movie. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, I, I appreciate your time and, and uh, I can't wait to see what you keep doing and, and uh, congrats on, on this movie, One Night Miami. It's easily one of the best of the year. Thank you. So, thank uh, you. Just congratulations again, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with Aldous Hodge from One Night in Miami here on the Next Best Picture podcast. One Night in Miami is currently streaming on Amazon Prime and is nominated for two Screen Actors Guild Awards, including Best Supporting Actor for Leslie Odom Jr. and Best Ensemble of the Year. You can subscribe to us anywhere we subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. 
If you are feeling generous, head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate us five stars, leave us a comment, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Would you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.